0: Our scripture for this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. I am reading from the New Revised Standard Version. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praising God said, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. We know that Jesus' parents were law-abiding Jews. It was their family tradition, their religious practice, to observe the law of Moses, to follow all the commandments and the ordinances that the Israelites had received Following that law, Jesus was circumcised and named on the eighth day. If you'll remember, he was named Jesus according to what the angel had revealed to Mary before Jesus was even born. Following that same law, in our scripture today, they brought the baby Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This happened 40 days after the birth of the child because Leviticus chapter 12, verses 1 through 6 established that a woman who had given birth was unclean for up to 40 days. During the first seven days, she was deemed to be largely unclean, and therefore they would wait until the eighth day for the circumcision of the baby. After 40 days, these days were days of purification, the mother would come to the temple bringing a sacrifice The high priest would make that sacrifice on her behalf and declare her clean. The mother would then be restored to community and be able to participate in worship once again. The law also established that every male child was to be presented to the Lord, a sign that God had redeemed every male child by delivering every firstborn of Israel from the plague that hit Egypt, the last plague, the plague of the firstborns. It was a reminder that God had saved them from death. Every firstborn belonged to God, and this presentation was Mary and Joseph's confirmation of this. So Mary and Joseph, in in compliance with the law of purification and the law of the firstborns, went to the temple to be proclaimed clean, to offer a sacrifice to God, and to submit Jesus for presentation and sanctification before God. The customary offering was a lamb and one young pigeon or dove. But the law allowed for a woman to instead sacrifice a pair of doves or pigeons for financial reasons. So if you were from a very poor family and you couldn't afford to, to buy a, a lamb, you could use a couple of pigeons or doves. This is yet another time in which we realize just how poor Jesus' family was The young couple was just getting started in life. They had just begun their life together and could not afford to sacrifice a lamb. Instead, we are told Mary brought two doves. Besides the financial reason, some theologians have wondered if Mary was not led to choose this sacrifice, knowing that later she would give up the Lamb of God himself as a perfect sacrifice for all of our sins. But it's a reminder that Jesus came from humble beginnings. We know he was born in a manger. You know, when you're getting started, you just don't have much. And they didn't have much to begin with. So the two doves made sense for her and Joseph. The symbolism of the two doves could be seen as a foreshadowing of Jesus's life and ministry. One dove could be a symbol of peace and the other a symbol of the Holy Spirit the third member of the Trinity of God that would testify to who Jesus was and empower him throughout his ministry. If you will remember, the Holy Spirit would testify at his baptism that this was God's beloved son and that we should listen to him. The Holy Spirit would be present throughout Jesus's life to empower him, to help him as he went through his ministry and sacrifice and to be with him as he led others to God. As they were going to the temple, a man whose name was Simeon came to the temple as well. We're told that he was led by the Holy Spirit. He didn't just feel like going to the temple on his own. We're told that the Spirit led him. You see, Simeon had received the promise from God that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. He was a righteous and devout man who had been looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. He had been looking for this day for quite some time. Can you imagine receiving the promise that you will not taste death until you see the Messiah arrive? He must have lived every day of his life in expectation and anticipation. Could this be the day that the Messiah is revealed? Every time he went to the temple, he had to wonder, is this the day when I will see the Lord's Messiah? Well, the day had finally come. The Holy Spirit led him to the temple to find this baby that had been born. The scripture says that when he saw the baby and the parents, he grabbed the baby in his hands and he began to praise God saying, Master, Now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Simeon had finally seen the savior that had been promised in this baby. He saw all the promises of God being fulfilled, God's plan unfolding right before his eyes. And he was able to know that his time to depart from this life had drawn near. For he had been promised, once you see the child, then you will be able to taste death. Well, we can only imagine what this was like for Mary and Joseph. Some random stranger comes up to you and grabs your baby, for starters. That would be shocking, right? And then he begins to praise God. And I can only imagine him holding up the baby and praising God and shouting to other people, this is the salvation of Israel. This is the Messiah. This is the one that was to come. I can only imagine what the parents were feeling and thinking at that point. I mean, they they probably didn't even know what to do. It probably caught them by surprise. But it was further confirmation to Mary and Joseph of something that they had already known, that this was the Son of God, that this was indeed the one that had been promised that would come to save Israel and the whole world. I love Simeon's words because he says that it's not just for the people of Israel, but also a light of revelation to the Gentiles that this was gonna be for the salvation of the whole world. It was an amazing revelation, or at least a strong confirmation of what Jesus was going to do. The scripture says Simeon turned to Mary and gave her her own private message. He told her, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and not to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword would pierce your own soul too. He was telling her, this is not going to be easy. This ministry that he is going to be about is going to have opposition because Jesus was coming to declare the truth of God's kingdom. He was coming to reinterpret the law for them, to help them to understand the spirit of the law and not just the letter of the law. Jesus would point out people's hypocrisy in the application of the law, as he did when he he faced the religious elite and he called them out for their ways of applying the law to others. He would also be opposed by those who saw him as a threat to their power, their religious, their political power, their influence. Jesus would be opposed by many who would not want to see things change because they liked things just the way they were. Simeon wanted Mary to know that this was going to be a hard road. And in his last part of his statement, he basically reveals to Mary that there will come a time when you will feel like you are being stabbed because it's going to be so painful. Simeon, of course, was referring to the time in which Mary would have to watch her firstborn baby boy hang from a cross, giving his life for the sins of the world. That's something no mother should have to go through. We can only imagine the pain that she would experience. But Simeon already knew that it would be a hard road for her, for Joseph, and for Jesus. But Simeon wasn't the only one looking for the redemption of Jerusalem that day. He wasn't the only one there at the temple that was looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, to the salvation of Israel, to the redemption of the world. The scripture tells us that Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, who was a prophet, was also at the temple on that day. This was a woman who who was married for seven years to her husband before she became a widow. And after she became a widow, after losing her husband, she decided to dedicate herself fully to the Lord. We're told that she never left the temple. Day and night she would be there praying, worshiping, fasting. And she was now 84 years old. So if she was married for seven years, she was now 84. You do the math. She had been devoted to God in the temple for years and years and years. She never left the temple. If you were looking for Anna, your best chance to find her was to go to the temple because she was there day and night. She saw Mary and Joseph and the baby, and we're told that she had a similar reaction to the baby as as Simeon did. We're told that she began to praise God and to speak about the child to the people around her in the temple, to tell them, no doubt, that this was the redemption of Israel, that this was the Savior of the world, that this was the promised Messiah. You know, all of these things happened for a reason. All these things served to confirm to Mary and Joseph what they already knew. That Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah, that he was the Son of God, and that the plan of salvation was on the way. And it also warned them that the road for him would not be easy, that there would probably be some long nights ahead for them as a family, as they worried about their son and about how his ministry would be received and perceived by others. There must have been so many nights after Jesus began his public ministry when Mary stayed up praying for him, asking God to keep him safe, asking God to continue to use him, asking God to be with him. All these things just confirmed to Mary and Joseph that they would need to live a life devoted to God in every possible way, that in order for this plan of God to continue to unfold before them, they would need to continue to pay attention to the ordinances and the commandments of God. As parents, I can only imagine that they must have been thinking about all of this and about all of the implications. This was so much for a young couple to deal with, and yet they had been chosen for this important task, to be the parents of Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. They really must have done a lot of praying, I tell you. There must have been a lot of soul-searching that day in Jerusalem as they finished everything required by the law before returning to Galilee and heading home to the town of Nazareth. It must have been nice to be able to come home and get out of the limelight for some time until Jesus grew up and grew up in wisdom and in favor and began his public ministry. The presentation of Jesus reminds us that God always has a plan. In this case, of course, it was the big plan. It was not just the little plan. You know, I think God has the big plan. And then he's got little plans for each and every one of our lives. But this was the big plan, the plan to save the world, the plan to redeem us, the plan to reconnect us with himself, the plan to forgive us, the plan to give us grace, the plan to give us life. God's plan was, being, was taking place right there before Mary and Joseph's eyes. Today, we're reminded that this plan is not always easy, that sometimes following God's plan comes with many challenges and difficulties. Like Mary and Joseph were warned, there would be days that they would be in grief and distress and struggle. There would be times in which they would feel like it was too much to bear, but they needed to persevere and move forward in that plan, to continue to trust that God was working through them and in them and for them as Jesus grew and became the Savior of the world. We might not understand God's plan all the time. I'm sure that Mary and Joseph on that day weren't really clear about how all of this was going to play out. But they knew one thing. The one who had set the plan in motion was faithful And he would see it to fruition. He would see that plan come to completion at his own time. And they trusted that God would be with them as they walked through that plan. Today, I want to tell you that God's plan of salvation is still unfolding before us. God is still seeking out those who are lost. God is still trying to reveal himself through Jesus Christ to those who don't yet know him. God is still trying to lead us as we try to live holy and righteous lives before him, following all the ordinances and commandments of God. I pray that along the way, God will put people in our lives that will do what Simeon and Anna did for Mary and Joseph. People that will confirm God's plan is still in play. People that will confirm that God still has great plans for our lives. And people that will affirm our calling by God and remind us of who we are and whose we are. You know, there are times as we're going through life that we need somebody to come to us and say, you belong to Jesus and you are his beloved. He loves you. He gave his life for you and he has a great plan for your life. So today, as you continue to move forward boldly through this time of trial and difficulties and COVID and all the other things, I want to encourage you by telling you God has a plan for you. It is still unfolding. God is still working. Continue to look for the signs that his plan is being carried out in your life. But it's not just about us, is it? It's also about sharing this plan with others. It's also about making sure that those that don't know that God has a plan for their lives will find out about it and will try to get on board with God's plan. So today, I don't want you to just be encouraged in your own plan, in God's small plan for your life, but in the big plan, in the plan of salvation for the whole world that extends to those that you know that don't know Jesus. I want to encourage you to be Simeon or Anna for them that you will pray for revelation so that you can go to them and prophesy over them God's blessing and God's plan, and that you will declare to them the goodness of God that is willing to forgive our sins and restore us to life. Today, celebrate that God's plan is still being carried out even in these difficult times, and help others to know that God has a plan for them. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you because your plan is still going on. You are not finished with us yet. We ask you, O Lord, that you will continue to put people in our path that will remind us of your plan, of your goodness, of your grace, of your calling, that they will remind us that you are still good, that you are still faithful, that you are still with us, and that we're never alone. Help us, O Lord, to just be faithful to you, to continue to follow the plan even when we don't understand it, even when it doesn't seem to make sense to us. Help us, O Lord, to seek your ways, which are always higher than our ways.